All right, welcome into our very first Mavs.com live of the 2018-19 season. Something we're going to try and bring you a lot more frequently this season. Uh, excited to get in front of you on uh, whatever platform we're using this week. I'm Mike Marshall. This is Bobby Corella. That is Jeff Skin Wade. And it is scheduled release day in the NBA and for the Dallas Mavericks, which is basically a holiday for us. So over the next half hour, we're going to try and break down all 82, go one by one with yes. predictions, front to back. It's going to be great. Um, all right, boys. So we have a uh, version of the schedule out. What stands out to you besides the fact that they gave us 82 again? 82 games, same as always. Uh, the big thing that stands out to me, just first glance, right? Right when I checked the schedule, I think like, okay, the story of the last two years has been they've gotten off to very slow starts. Ooh. Two and 13, two and 14 last year, four and 17 the year before. This year, you, you look at it, you see October, and you're like, okay, they could actually maybe get off to an above 500 start here. They could maybe start on a high note and kind of ease themselves into the season. But with that, obviously, comes the responsibility of, you know, you have to take care of business against yep. teams. I remember looking at last year's schedule going, yes, 2-0 and to start. Perfect. <laughs> that is exactly what we needed. And then I went into the first weekend of the NBA season going, what? We're 0-2 against those teams are going to suck. So, uh, you know, you can look at a schedule and go, hey, this works out well, but there's still that, that matter of, of taking care of business. And, you know, the last time we did a podcast, guys, we talked about what adding DeAndre does from the standpoint of it gets you off to a good start in games, potentially, which was a problem for the Mavericks. They got in holes early. I think that's also on a macro level, the same thing with this schedule. We can look at it and go, okay, I see the level that Chicago's at, and I see the level of Phoenix is at, and I see the level that Atlanta is at. But the byproduct of that is that if you don't take care of that, those opportunities early, you start feeling that horrible feeling of the last two seasons very early in the season. And that's why it's good to look down at the schedule and go, okay, I like these games from a competitive standpoint to get our legs from underneath us, but that can work against you if you don't take care of business. It's fun to, for a uh, from a fan side to kind of go through and mark your W's and L's all the way through. Eighty-two like, and O. Like I feel good. like I feel like in football, it's definitely a thing that every football fan does. Basketball, if you're kind of a you know a next level fan, you're probably going to do that. Right. It doesn't make sense to do it though, because you're going to go okay, random Wednesday night in Orlando. You'd like to think you can take that game, but maybe someone's got a hurt ankle. Maybe someone's missing that game. Maybe somebody's not starting. So it's important to kind of track it by back to backs, by how many we have in a road, how many. Uh, Games in a month. Is this month going to kill them? Is this going to test right. them? That type of stuff. And that's what we're going to try and do for you here. Um, all right, so opening night uh, at Phoenix <laughs> on uh, ESPN. Two early games on ESPN, and I can, I can tell the appeal is Luka, right? So they get Atlanta on ESPN. Uh, what is it? Game four. Game one, the regular season opener, is uh, against uh, Phoenix, on ESPN, so the Luca who he got drafted next to DeAndre Ayton, obviously the first game, Trey Young, game four, um, and his former coach, my man Igor, mm-hmm. is the head coach of the Phoenix Suns now. How spicy is the Ayton first overall pick versus Luca third overall pick matchup? Yeah, I mean it's not just Ayton versus Luca, right? It's Ayton versus DeAndre. We've got some DeAndre on DeAndre action, yeah, so it's kind of like Ayton's welcome to the NBA moment is having to go up against one of the biggest, baddest centers in the league. And then Luca's guarded against one of Dennis Smith Jr.'s contemporaries and Josh Jackson. And right. then against Atlanta, it's Dennis versus Trey Young, and it's Luca versus the team that traded down and all that stuff. So it's not just Luca versus Aiden, it's everybody versus everybody. Like it's 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 so great, it's so exciting. And uh, obviously too, Phoenix has uh Mikhail Bridges, who yeah. just won mm-hmm. a national championship. 
with Jalen Brunson. Yeah. So uh, connections abound. Yeah, and also, you know, as we talk about who might cover who, it's, it's interesting when a team is at a level like a Phoenix is at or, you know, the level of a Mavs are at or Chicago or Atlanta, and then that team goes out in the offseason and goes, I'm going to give $15 million to Trevor Reza. And you go, okay, so they're thinking we need to start winning some games because we've got Devin Booker, we've got DeAndre Ayton, we've got Jackson, we've got some good young players. Now we have to start winning some games. So, again, when you look at the schedule – and we go, ah, Phoenix on opening night. We can win that game. Phoenix looks down at that schedule and goes, ah, the Mavericks. We're going to win our home opener. So that's, you know, like it or not, that's the group that the Mavericks are in. They have to separate themselves from that group. And so uh, I like all the little subplots. And there was something you were talking about, Mike, that got me interested. Kudos to ESPN. Is they, you know, it's easy to go, okay, we're going to have Golden State, Houston, and then we're going to have the Lakers and Philly and Boston. But they're investing in storylines. If they're putting Atlanta and Dallas uh, within the first week and a half of the season on a big stage like that, they're saying, hey, your NBA fan is going to always associate Trey Young with Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, the way Cowboy fans do Zeke and uh, Bosa or Jalen Ramsey or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think that's very smart to treat your NBA fans like they're smart, that they're going to attach themselves to storylines beyond what the elite teams in the league are, and then hopefully create your next, uh, you know, little adversarial matchups two and three years down the road. So it's a great place for the Mavericks to be in, and if they show and prove on the big stage, that's that's a great way to start your season. It's great for the Mavs, but it's also great for Mavs fans, right? Like, how many times were they on national TV last season? Maybe twice or three times, and now it's two times in the first week. So, yeah. you know, it, it kind of speaks volumes about how exciting the big wigs think this team is going to be. Yeah. It's Dennis, it's Doncic, it's DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Dirk, obviously, is still around. Harrison Barnes. Like, not only are we excited about the team, but literally, like, the NBA is excited about the Mavericks, too. Right. So it's kind of like a reminder that, yeah, this is, this is going to be a fun year. This be and fun it's year. an even number of years, so the Phoenix Suns are actually trying to win. You yeah. know, <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be, I mean, a Phoenix matchup in Phoenix – opening night of the season is totally different than what might be Phoenix in January or February sure. whenever they're looking towards the draft already. Right. So that's going to be a challenge. Of course, the Trey Young for Luka Doncic. Doncic. I'll get it right one of these times. I still mess it up. <laughs> Just call him Donkey. Donkey. <laughs> um, that's going to be spicy for years. Like, that's going to be, as we look, you mentioned Jalen Ramsey. Like, Cowboys fans do not shut up about Jalen Ramsey, no. no matter what he does. Right. That's going to be, I hope that rivalry it's stirred up a little bit. I know it's going to be, what, three games max a year against an Eastern Conference team, so it's not going to be a direct competition. But I think this year, you're going to come out, out of the 2018-19 season going, well, Mavs won that trade. But give it some time. Give it some time. Let's see what Trey Young is in the future, too. Yeah, and I agree with that. And also, you know, the Mavericks traded away their first-round pick for next year. It's lottery protect, uh, protected for the top five. And unless they have a really bad year, that's going to be out of the mix. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they barely missed the playoffs and the ultimate, uh, you know, luck happens. You get a top three pick. So they made that trade saying, we're trading this year's, you know, you guys take Trey Young and then whatever you get next year for Luka Doncic. So it's not even a straight-up trade in that regard. So if this season goes the way the Mavericks anticipate, they're going to be giving that pick to the Mm -hmm. Atlanta Hawks next year, and they're perfectly content with it because they view Luka Doncic as a generational-type player, and those guys aren't available in every draft. The key to getting back in the playoffs, right, and the key to having to just forget about that draft pick is winning those early games. Absolutely. It all comes full circle. Yeah, you get a chance to be Phoenix, Chicago, Atlanta, all of these teams that the Mavericks were jostling for uh, lottery positioning last year, these are now teams that the Mavericks are hoping to 
not be in competition with anymore. You know what I mean? So it's, yep. it's all about winning those games. And last year, 20 of their first 21 games were against teams that either made the playoffs the year before or went on to make the playoffs. Yeah. This year, it's not the case. There's a lot of jazz early, right? Three mm-hmm. out of the first 14 games are Utah. We can talk about that in a second. But uh, this year, it is we can take care of business, get off on the right foot, and uh, hopefully start competing for playoff positioning with these other juggernauts in like February and March. So one of the things I noticed just glossing over the schedule is, okay, ESPN game one, ESPN game four, TNT in December on the 27th and then the 30th game. Um, not in Dallas. All away games, all the national games are away games. Y'all don't want to travel to Dallas? Like, it's a lovely city. Y'all come down. And I get, I get the geography. It's, it's, it's as far away probably from Bristol and from the West Coast uh, as you can get, but uh, I felt a little bad that the Mavs didn't get a, a home national game. I want to show off the AAC a little bit. Sure. Well, I want the energy. I want the energy to be piped up a little bit whenever Luca comes out there in the court. But uh, as it is right now, two TNT games, one at Phoenix later in the season, one at the Clippers later in the season, then game one and four will be on ESPN. Um, so whenever I look at this, I always look at some of those trap games. Mm-hmm. For years, the back-to-back Denver to Utah is where winning streaks went to die. Right. That back-to-back in Utah. We have two back-to-backs that end up playing Utah. That's one thing I look at. I don't love that, but it is what it is. Hey, get your guts going and let's, let's play as well as we can. Another thing I look at is, okay, longest road trip and best, best homestand. Yeah. So you go down here. December is a fickle month, to say the least. Yep. That is the longest home stretch of the season, starting off December on the second against the Clippers, home against Portland, home against Houston, home against Orlando, home against Atlanta. So you are home for 11 straight days to start December. That sticks out to me. Yeah. Because that is a good, okay, let's re-rack, let's refocus a little bit moment once you slog through October and uh, get to the beginning of December. And then you start getting a little weird as December goes on. Uh, because you have two back-to-backs to wrap up the tail end of December. Um, and it's just, as it is probably every season, going back into eternity, December into January is going to define your season. Yes. It's going to decide, okay, are you going for it? Are you looking at home court advantage? Are you looking at battling against the four through eight in the West? Or are you, you know, regrouping, readdressing what you need to address? Are you looking towards the trade deadline saying, hey, we need to do something about this team right now? And I think December is going to make or break you. I love the home stretch at the beginning of December. Yeah, for sure. One, well, as we look back at last season, when did Dennis kind of start finding his groove? It was mm-hmm. right around Christmas time. It was that road trip where they went to OKC uh, at New Orleans. He had a triple double against yeah. OKC. Is whenever he went right at Westbrook in the fourth quarter and won New the New Year's game. Eve night. Yeah, New yeah. Year's Eve night, and they'll be back there again this year for an encore. But yep. That's kind of what probably 35, 40 games in the season where you're hoping now with Luca, that's whenever he might be able to start finding his groove. And at the beginning of that month, having all those games at home is good too. It's kind of like a reset period, like you said. But that's kind of the time whenever Dennis is going to be at his 18 months thing, right. like we've talked about before, right. Skin. And Luca will have 25, 30 games under his belt. DeAndre will have 25 games or 30 games with Dennis. So, like, they should be finding out who they are and hopefully they'll be a playoff team obviously that's kind of what we're hoping for but by then they should have developed the on-court chemistry to tackle that road trip and and not be afraid be able to go compete with those the big guns that they play on the road you know one of the things too i think uh rick probably likes about this december schedule is i don't think he digs being home during the holidays because family comes in and there's things tugging away at guys and so if you look 
you know, the Thanksgiving break, they're going to be home around Thanksgiving time. Mm -hmm. They're going to be on the road leading up to Christmas. Um, and I think he probably likes that. In fact, not only that, it's a big West Coast trip. Mm -hmm. It's Golden State, it's Portland, it's the Clippers. And so I think from a focus standpoint, those are tough opponents. I think he probably likes being on the road leading up to Christmas. And then you get to sort of recharge a little bit. And then you have the unique situation where your final four games of December, twice against New Orleans back-to-back, -back, twice against Oklahoma City back-to-back. -back. And that's an actual back-to-back, -back, right? That's Sunday night, Monday night. And a lot of times, if you look at teams that are projected to be better than you, and, uh, you know, Oklahoma City, a lot of people think they're a top four seed. Mm -hmm. Based on what New Orleans did last year, the Mavericks are trying to get to that spot. I think when you look at those games where you're playing the same opponent twice back-to-back, -back, most people look at those as splits. And so I think from a bigger picture standpoint, I look at that and I go, well, if I have four games against New Orleans and Oklahoma City in that stretch and I've gone two and two, I look at that as a win situation. So I think even though that's a, you know, kind of a, a finicky month, as you like mm -hmm. to say, I think there are some ways that that could really work to the Mavericks' advantage if they handle it the way they're supposed to. And if you're home during the holidays, just think about it from the obligations you have as a normal human being yeah. around the holidays, right? right? You probably got your aunt and uncle maybe staying with you. As an NBA player, you probably got 20 to 25 extra people going, hey, I got some tickets to this home game right. that's happening uh, yeah, right. night after Christmas or what's going on. So yeah. I can see why Rick would kind of like that. Mm -hmm. He'd like to uh, get out on the road. Hey, it's just us. A little bit of bonding time around the holidays. Hey, let's have Thanksgiving dinner together. Let's, yeah. uh, it's uh, Halloween. Let's do something fun with just the team. You know, stuff like that. So that makes a lot of sense. Another thing I look at whenever I get the, you know, preliminary schedule and start glossing over. Okay, how many times are we getting LeBron? And how many times are we getting Golden State? Mm-hmm. So we get one LeBron game. Oh, no. What? That's Uno? January, right? <laughs> yeah, January, uh, yeah, January 7th on a Monday, game number 40, LeBron comes to town. So obviously that's going to be juiced up. AAC's going to be going crazy. All the yep. people that uh, adopted LeBron as their favorite player uh, maybe <laughs> seven years Laker ago. Lifelong Laker fans. Yeah, lifelong yeah. Laker yeah. fan is going to show up. Uh, and then Golden State, twice at the AAC this year, which is fun. Always cool, even if, you know, even if they put on a show against us, it's great to watch great players play basketball. Like, sure. it might be the simplest thing anyone's ever said about the NBA, but it's fun. It's super fun to watch the Splash Brothers come in here and do their thing, and maybe you take one or two away from them, and it makes it even more interesting. I remember the, uh, the Tyson shoe game yeah, a couple of years so ago. Great. Well, and last year, that was an instant classic that they played, where it was yes. like end-to-end, -end, Mavs made a big comeback, and Steph came down and hit that shot. I mean, that was, a, that was an awesome game. Mm -hmm. It was, and I, and I think the whole thing, too, is like, you know, the fans that come and fill the AAC for that game, they sort of walk in going, you know, there's this pervasive attitude that Golden State's untouchable, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. But I think what Maverick fans really want for those games, of course, they want the W more than anything, but they don't expect that. They want to be entertained. And for the most part, these Golden State games have been entertaining. And I think also, you know, Rick you'll, usually makes some subtle adjustments with what he does to sort of get in the flow of those games. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll go guard heavy in those games earlier to try to match what Golden State is doing. Uh, so I always find those games to be super intriguing and you know, like that was that was one of the more memorable memorable games of last year. Didn't end the way we wanted it to. Golden State did what Golden State does, mm -hmm. but uh, those are things that fans circle because ultimately they want to be entertained. And uh, January thirteenth, we the last time Golden State comes through, might have a new friend on the roster starting at five. And Boogie, oh yeah, yeah Boogie maybe. might be a. You know, that might be a right around boogie return date, so yeah, that uh, interesting. The Tom Haberstroh thing has him coming back like around Thanksgiving time. I don't know if mm -hmm. you guys saw that piece. Wow, okay. I mean, those are 
optimal projections. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think by the time they get here, they'll be working boogie in. Yeah. And then I always look, uh, for obvious reasons, number one, how are you going to finish the season? How are you going to go into the playoffs if those are in the cards? For the last six at home. Yep. I start circling that last home date, just number one, because it's super fun to be in the arena at that right. time. Right. But also because, you know, we got some legends on this team. One in particular that I might want to be in the house, uh, game 81 uh, against the Suns, last home game of the season. And then 82, you're at San Antonio for the season finale. Hopefully those are super meaningful. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're contending for playoffs, uh, maybe even fighting for 5-4 seed, something like that. But how do you feel about finishing four of the last six at home? That's the one month, um, April, in which you actually have a pretty drastic home versus road split. Yeah, for sure. I think it's great. I think it's really great. And uh, that one of those road games is home and home with Memphis, where mm-hmm. again, you're talking like it could be a split situation. Right. But the Mavs always give Memphis good games in Memphis. And yep. Memphis always plays well here, too. Right. But I mean, that could be, you're talking playoff positioning. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that we can kind of lump the Mavs and Grizzlies in the same sort of group of teams, right? The cluster right in the middle of the West. And depending on whatever, health, trades, whatever, that could right. be two very meaningful games. But uh, if, if it comes down to it, you'd always rather be home than on the road, especially yeah. at the end of the year, whenever these games mean a lot. And two, just from a fan perspective, getting Philly at the beginning of that month, too, is great. That's our one chance to see Embiid, Ben Simmons. So, I mean, April's going to be a big, big month. It's going to be a April, lot of fun. April's a big month. And one of the things that we talked about is, you know, I think the biggest math fan will go, well, I want to make the playoffs. We all want to make the playoffs. But then you look at how difficult it's going to be. For me, you know, what I'm asking for out of this season is, does the third week of March start to feel like playoff games? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in the last couple of years, they don't. You get buried. If you stay in the mix, there's all these, you know, teams grouped together. Then the third week of March, it starts getting really tight, you know, and you go, oh, my God, we got a Monday night game against New Orleans. We sort of have to win this game. Mm -hmm. And that feeling starts to happen. And then for players like Dennis and Luca, those become playoff games, right, in a lot of ways. Um, And so they will, as long as the Mavericks take care of business in the first three months of the season, it creates opportunities to where even if the Mavericks end up going into the final home game against Phoenix and it's unlikely they make the playoffs, they have to sweep out or whatever. You've already had that playoff experience in the previous two to three weeks. I really think that's what this season's about. The ultimate optimist in me goes, yes, the Mavericks can make a 20 game jump and go from 24 to 44. And you know, and I don't even know if that's enough to get into the playoffs, but I, I think a realistic thing to ask for out of the season is am I getting playoff games in March? Mm-hmm. And so much of that depends on the earlier part of the season. Man, if we're going into uh, March the 20th and you got a back-to-back on the road at Portland and Sacramento and you're going, man, we got to win one of those, yep. that's a really good feeling to have based on where we've been the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. sure. And another thing that I think everybody has this in the back of their mind, and obviously uh, ESPN does with the early scheduling of putting Luka against the guys he was traded for and drafted close to, Okay, you, everyone you can look back at basketball reference and go, oh, Luca played this number of games over the last calendar year. Okay, well, that's not 82 NBA games, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's EuroLeague, that's over there. Is the travel the same? Is the conditioning the same? How do you think an 82-game season of NBA travel, of uh, legit, you're in the show now, like we need you every single night, there's no off nights, there's back-to-backs, you know, this is, this is it. How do you think that's going to treat uh, the first season of Luka Doncic? I don't know. I mean, I think having the experience, whether it's like the NBA or not, having the experience of playing overseas and uh, having to get to the airplane 30 minutes early and like knowing how to pack a bag and all that stuff, 
Like that's kind of things that we take for granted. But Dennis was learning all of that stuff on the fly last year, whereas Lucas had two, three full pro seasons of being able to plan for being away from home for 10 days and knowing, you know, how to, how to treat his body on the road and all that stuff. I mean, that is as big of a challenge as anything. I mean, obviously the talent is a much higher level, but you go to like Denver, Portland, Golden State for a week. I mean, that's like a big, big lifestyle change. It's different time zones. It's different elevations, altitudes, all that stuff. The weather's different. You're getting sick. Like just knowing how to deal with all that stuff is really going to make that transition a lot easier. Um, as well as having an like a, a true off season. He's not playing like Olympic basketball or Euro basketball, anything this summer. I mean, he is just like sitting around. It's looking like he's getting jacked based on his Instagram. And uh, so, I mean, those I, I arms think, days. yeah, yeah, no, he's not skipping a single arms day like you said. But uh, yeah, I think just having experience of knowing what a road trip is like and knowing, you know, what it's like to play in really hostile environments, I think it's going to help him a lot just adjusting to uh, life over here. I think there's a normal mental and physical component for a rookie and maybe this is too bold, I don't think he's going to have to deal with the mental component as much because of what his experience has been. I don't see any way how he can't avoid the physical aspect of that. That's just the reality of it. But I remember when we did, uh, I think it was our first or second Numbers on the Board podcast last year with Dennis, mm -hmm. and he had already played four games and his head was already spinning mm -hmm. because it was like, man, at this point I'd played one college game, or it's like, wow, and then we're playing tomorrow night, or maybe they're playing that night. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that aspect of it for Luke is not going to be as difficult as it is for other rookies, but I think the physical is always going to be there. You know, it was interesting. Did you guys happen to hear Dirk on Dan Patrick a couple weeks ago? Uh, bits and pieces. So one of the things he said that just jumped out at me, he goes, yeah, he had just met Luca, and he was like, uh, yeah, he's a legit 6'9". Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I believe he's a legit 6'9", but Dirk is seven foot and he's been around players his whole life and he's looking at him going, okay, this is a big boy. And uh, that, that really encouraged me from the standpoint of just hammering home, hey, this is a big dude that is capable of taking on a lot physically. He's a sturdy man. Sturdy man. And now that, you know, Casey and Jeremy have gotten a hold of him and they're going to start building this up, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it could be that the normal physical component of that is not as tough on rookies as it, on him as it is on normal rookies. I think compared to the other rookies that were drafted around him or even years prior, you know, you play 33, 36 games in college basketball if you're lucky in a right. season. Um, I think he's going to be more adept to handling just the sheer number of games. Right. Just, okay, my body's tired, holy crap, we have 30 more games to play. Right. I think that's gonna be a huge advantage for him. I don't think it's gonna be seamless. I don't think it's gonna be exactly what he's used to. Right. But I think he's gonna be better than the guys, he's gonna, the learning curve is gonna be much, more, uh, much less steep for him in terms of adjusting to just, okay, we're playing four times a week for the next forever until we stop. I think that's going to be a big, big advantage for and, him. And, uh, you know, obviously the Mavericks are in a different situation with Dennis last year, but it, I think it's easier if he's starting to feel the grind to pull his responsibilities back and ration that out a little bit because you do have Harrison, you do have Dennis, you do have JJ, you do have these other guys, so it's not here. Mm -hmm. uh, go go handle this. It's okay. He's uh, Let's reduce his minutes by four or five minutes a night for the next week or so and let him recoup and other people take – take more of a responsibility. So there's ways to manage that as well. And while we're talking about a lot of back-to-backs, just generally loaded schedule, I think this team is built more to handle back-to-backs than match mm -hmm. teams in years past. It's not a bunch of 30-year-olds in the locker room. I mean, age with age comes wisdom, right? But it also comes uh, 
easier to be fatigued. Right. So, you know, you have Luca, Dennis, Barnes in your starting lineup. DeAndre doesn't miss games. Like, these are guys that are young, that are fit, that are able to play five games a week and they're not going to, you know, have to have to sit out for a couple weeks because they're hurt or whatever. So right. I think that's really going to help them a lot too, just being able to roll out the same guys every night and not have to rest guys. I mean, obviously, sometimes it's going to happen with Dirk maybe or JJ or Devin, but the core, your core big four or five starting players are all going to be able to play 30 minutes back-to-backs if they have to. Mm-hmm. And these younger guys, they might not know, I'm supposed to be tired tonight. <laughs> they, you know, they might just be excited to play another game. You know, get, They'll game figure 20. it out in those Utah games. They'll yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll the figure back, that out the Utah quick. back-to-backs, are gonna, there'll yeah. be some learning time right there. It'll be like, okay, wow, it's the second quarter. It feels like the fourth. Yeah. You know. All right, so let's, uh, let's chop up some of these months, talk about them specifically, uh, how it shakes out for the Mavs. October, obviously, season opener um, on national TV on ESPN against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, home opener. We haven't touched on that yet. I love opening the home slate against a Western Conference playoff team mm-hmm. because you get to test yourself. You set a bar. Yeah. I know the T-Wolves finished as the eighth seed last year, but for most of the season, they were hovering around three or four until Jimmy Butler got hurt. Mm-hmm. That's a dang good young team for that sure. comes in here, second game of the season, Saturday night, home opener, Western Conference playoff team. How excited are y'all for that? I'm pumped. I think we talked about this on the podcast, right, with DeAndre, and this would be a podcast too, by the way, so if you don't want to watch live, check it out on, uh, on iTunes. But who gives the Mavs troubles? Like, big centers. Mm-hmm. Carl Towns, last year, the, the Mavs played the Wolves twice, like in the first three weeks of the year. Towns destroyed them on the boards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's getting put back dunks for days. This year it's different. You got DeAndre out there. So our home opener, we will see, Mavs fans will see, observers will see, whatever, like, DeAndre will fill that hole. He answers that question. You know, it's going to be, instead of Towns, how are we going to stop this guy? It's Towns, how is he going to score on DeAndre? And, like, that alone is something I'm excited to see. Is like, our first look at DeAndre in Dallas will be against a star, like a mega stud player in Towns. So I'm, I'm really excited just for that individual map, matchup alone. And I think, conversely, too, it's the challenge of DeAndre playing a guy that's really good on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go back, remember when we played the Clippers, Dirk had a really hot three-point shooting game because DeAndre wasn't getting out there on it. Yeah. So that'll be fun to see. All right, DeAndre, here's what your responsibilities are. How can you do it within the context of our defense? I, mean, I like the idea of forcing Towns to put it on the floor and then you converge. Um, but to your point, it's, it's, a, it's a good measuring stick. And I like that it's a Saturday night uh, because that is the chance. I think it's, it's always going to be a sellout. But I think it's going to be a little extra rowdy. Mm-hmm. And then I also like that there's two days off from your home opener. And then you come on back home, you get settled in, and then you got a big Saturday night game. I think, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great scenario for a way to start. This yeah, and Lucas' first two games, by the way, Trevor Ariza one night and Jimmy Butler possibly the next yeah. game of mm-hmm. the Welcome to the league, man. Right. That's two tough guys to go up against. Yeah. So three of your first four against non-playoff teams from last year and obviously the two national games. You get a trip to Toronto in there, so you'll get to uh, make sure your visas are in order hmm. as you cross the border. Uh, Utah at home starts a back-to-back. Utah and then at San Antonio, which isn't such a big deal, but that's your first back-to-back of the season. First uh, way first time for Rick to roll out. Okay, this is how we're going to do this on back-to-backs. We're doing walkthrough in the morning. We're not doing full contact practice. You know that type of stuff for people to get acclimated to that. And then on Halloween, what better place to spend Halloween than Los Angeles, we've California? Had some, we've had some Los Angeles Halloween games in the past. Yeah, a lot. Right. That sounds like fun. Factor. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then we slide off into November. Thirteen games, seven home, six away, one back-to-back, 
and uh, nine games against teams that are predicted to make the playoffs, according to, uh, I'm just using sportsline.com right now because they have the most accurate and, and uh, quickest projections as of right now. But nine games against predicted playoff teams. Uh, you got a, a home against the Knicks, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a Washington, Utah back to back. Don't love it. No. <laughs> no. Don't love it, but hey. You got to win some tough games to make the playoffs. Like, there's no way around it. You can't just go, you can't just win the home games yeah. and go 41 up, 41 down. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is the wrong way to look at it, but a lot of times on this, when you're playing the second night of back to backs where people expect you to quote unquote lose, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times I want it to be against better teams. Yeah. Because if you're looking at it going, well, that's a probable loss on the road, anyways, it absorbs my back to backs. You know, the, the ones that make me nervous are, hey, here's a back-to-back against, uh, you know... Non-playoff B. Yeah, well, West Coast Sacramento is always right. Sacramento second out of back-to-back. Yeah. That's, that's tough. That's tough, and it's like, man, I would much prefer a different scenario there just in terms of my overall record. So, Or maybe Rick likes those challenges and wants guys to get up for it and that sort of thing. But managing those situations is one mm-hmm. of the toughest things you can do as a coach because you have to manage individual games, but then you have to do, on a, on a broader scale, how am I going to ha- handle this three and five nights in those mm-hmm. sorts of situations. I'd love the tail end of a back-to-back be against a top four West team or a top four East, just so you look at that guy and you get fired up, mm-hmm. you know, that you're playing against. Or you're in that gym and you're like, okay, well, this place is hot tonight. Like, just just something that brings the, uh, the intensity up just a little bit naturally. Yeah. Um, all right, so later on in uh, November, what it sticks out to me about November is uh, starting game 17, uh, Wednesday, against uh, Brooklyn at home, mm-hmm. and you get a nice little Thanksgiving uh, home with your family right there, and then Saturday uh, home against Boston. So you get a little bit of time at home there at the end of November. Uh, road trip to end November, New Orleans, Houston, L.A. Not that big a deal in terms of New Orleans and Houston. I mean, right down the road, hour, an hour and a half flight. Uh, then you go out to the Lakers, which we go two times to L.A. to play LeBron out of Staples. He only comes here once, like we mentioned earlier. And then we get to December. Fifteen games, eight home, seven away, three back-to-backs, uh, eleven games in twenty days, and uh, eight games against playoff teams. I mentioned it earlier. The longest home stand of the season is at the beginning of December. The second, basically through the thirteenth, before you got to fly out to Phoenix that day. And uh, we're going to need that. Like the schedule makers looked at that and like, ooh. Got to be kind of nice to him at the beginning of December because it gets real nasty real quick. Yeah. And uh, I feel like that's whenever you're finding your identity. I feel like that's when, if you're a team that isn't playoff bound, that isn't ready for that kind of competition, that's when you get cracked. Yeah. Is the, is the middle of December for a lot of teams. But starting with those uh, five straight home games, Sunday the 2nd through Wednesday the 12th, is a huge advantage for this team. And I think that's where their identity is going to be. It's going to be melded right there. Yeah, and it's a tough road trip to end the month. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You go at Denver, at Golden State, at Portland, three out of four games. And at Clippers is tough, too, because you're playing in L.A., tough place to play. But you get six out of seven at home to start the month, right? If you can win five or six of those games, you look at that road trip, and you're like, all right, let's go. Let's, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm excited. I, let's go play Golden State. Let's go play Denver. I don't care. I mean, you're, you're fired up. It's kind of just like starting the season, three and one, four and one. If you can get off to a good start then you're not afraid of the daunting stuff ahead of you. You, you, know? feel, you feel different about yourself if you take care of business. You start feeling like you belong in that conversation, and that has a, an intangible effect. It's really 
hard to describe other than when you get in the season, you see the way the team is playing. Dirk just said this the other day, actually. He said, I want to get back to the days whenever we'd go into the gym and just expect to win. Right. And if you're a 40, 50 win team, you're looking at the beginning of December and saying, okay, we Clippers game one, we are going to win this game. Portland's coming in. That's a tough team to play on the road, but we should win uh, whenever they're away from their own gym. I mean, these are things that if you're a good team, if you're a playoff team, you're going to win these games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can split the wins, losses up however you want. It doesn't matter at the end of the season. You're going to need 44-plus most likely to make the playoffs. But for me, it is so important those first two months to start out above 500 so Rick has trust in Luka. So Rick has releases the reins a little bit even more for Dennis because it's so young and they're still learning. And Rick has to be able to trust those guys early so that, you know, game 50, he can go in and know, hey, I don't got to tell you anything. You know how to do this now. This this will be a different feeling when you look out there and JJ's not on the floor at the end, end of a game. That's mm-hmm. when you know the tide has turned. Yeah. Uh, because Rick knows JJ will go handle up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if the younger guy, and there will be a lot of times where maybe JJ's out there with Dennis and Luke and whatever, but um, if there's end of games that you're in, you think you can win this game and JJ's not on the floor, I think that's going to be a big indication that He's feeling comfortable with the development of the young yeah. playmakers on the team. He doesn't have to reach for the blankie. Yeah. He doesn't have to go to the three-guard lineup right. you know, immediately. He can right. trust the guys to get through it. All right, let's wrap up uh, December and move pretty quickly through the rest of this. Biggest homestand of the season early in December. That's good because the longest road trip of the season is later in December, starting at Denver. Uh, third or second or third week of December, and then you are out for a little while uh, until you get a home-and-home against New Orleans. A nice back-to-back in there at Golden State Portland. Worked in the mix. And then New Year's Eve, you are in Oklahoma City. Yes. To, uh, it's a great place to spend New Year's Eve. Yeah, party <laughs> your butt off. Yeah. With the no haunted thing. hotel at the <laughs> Exactly. All right, January, 15 games, seven home, eight away, three back-to-backs, 11 versus projected playoff teams. The three back-to-backs don't love it, but, hey, you got to fight through it. You're going to get that early game most likely on MLK Day. Uh, against Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which is always a fun fun day. Um, all right, let's slide through February, unless anything from January sticks out to you boys. Uh, January is a good month to be a fan, right? If you're going to yeah. buy tickets, you want to buy tickets in January. Yeah, the Lakers. Warriors, the Spurs, the Raptors, the Lakers. I mean, uh-huh. that is like, that is the primo teams. I mean, the Spurs, whether or not they're good, and this year is kind of up in the air because they're, they're going through a lot of changes, obviously. Yeah. It is always a lit atmosphere in the mm-hmm. arena whenever the Spurs are in town. It is always so great. The Spurs travel well, so mm-hmm. I would like it if Mavs fans drown that out a little bit. Yeah. More. I don't January- want to be on the set of the postgame show with the Go Spurs Go contingent <laughs> walking by yeah. me. Can we put a stop to that, Mavs yeah. fans? Buy those tickets early. And uh, I don't think January the away games could get any colder Yeah. Uh, if you look at the schedule. So we're going to have to learn how to, uh, how to take our NyQuil. How to get our Z-Packs going in January. A lot of common cold to be sped around. <laughs> at Boston, at Philly, at Minnesota, at Indy, at Milwaukee, at New York, at Detroit for January, which is probably the coldest month of the season. And then February starts off cool, too. You get to go to Cleveland. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's uh, 10 games in February, six home, four away. Obviously, the All-Star break will work in there. I like the, uh, the home uh, February 6th through looks like about the 11th before you got to fly out to Houston. That helps us. And then home before the All-Star break, leading into it, and home after the All-Star break, nice vacation, no travel involved there. One back-to-back at Denver, and then at Utah, which I don't love, but hey, you got to win a couple if you're going to make the playoffs. March, 15 games, uh, six home, nine away, one back-to-back, eight versus playoff teams. 
Did you have someone? I want to say your most potential frustrating game of the year is Wednesday, February 13th. You host Miami when everyone's checking out for All-Star break. Yeah, very true. That's the ultimate trap game. Yeah, that, that, those games make no sense. Look yeah. at the box scores after that night, the yeah. getaway night. They don't right. make any sense. And like, it, you know, go ahead. Oh, is this just too takey to say like a team like Miami is not going to check out for that well, game? Well, I was going to yeah. say that's not their MO. Their MO is they play hard all yeah. the time. You know, so mm-hmm. and it sucks. I, I looked at I mean, that game and went, man, if you lose that game, you are going to be mad. Yeah, yeah. it's an eight, nine day off that yeah. you have. I mean, that is a long time to yes. just sit there and think like, wow, I can't believe James Johnson gave us 15 and 10. <laughs> hey, we, the Mavericks have fiddle farted around on the last night before an all-star break before. So yeah, very that's true. no gimme, baby. Yeah, And uh, coming out against Denver, too, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. 15 games in March, as we mentioned. Um, don't love the, uh, the back-to-back that starts a Portland, Sacramento at Golden State road trip there, but hey. You got to win some tough ones if you're going to get in the Western Conference playoffs. April, six games. Love the ending of this season. Four mm-hmm. home, two away. Two of them back to backs, but they're home at home or uh, home at home against Memphis, and then Phoenix and San Antonio. So close proximity on the travel there. Obviously, last home game will be April 9th against the Suns. Probably want to be in the house for that one. And then uh, season finale, 82, Wednesday night, April 10th at the San Antonio Spurs. Hopefully, whatever they're doing is locked up so we can get a nice little win on that night. <laughs> I just think it's going to be – I always think about that. as like, man, I'd love to be playing Golden State on the final night of the year when they're playing their C team, but that's not the way this year is going to be. There's there's going to be so much congestion and so mm-hmm. much jockeying for, you know, home position. I, I have a feeling that game will be very important to San Antonio, uh, and I also would predict that – that Phoenix game will sell out faster than any game oh once gosh. tickets become available because there's going to be at least the perception that that could be the final dirt game and people will go out of their mind buying those yeah. tickets. How go cool would it be? four-game pack, yeah. legacy pack. That has the final game of the season in it. Yeah. You want that one. How cool would it be if whatever, I don't know, let's say San Antonio wins 35 games, whatever their fans are just not really caring. What if the Mavs buy out the tickets? Just in, take uh, over the at, arena? Yeah, at the AT and T arena. I'm or whatever. listening. Like, yeah, let's get down there and let's let's fill that place up with some blue. I'm yeah, listening. Man. Well, yeah. guys, I can't thank you enough for joining me on our very first Mavs.com live of the season. Jeff Skinway, Bobby Carella, I'm Mike Marshall. If you want some more of the uh, schedule breakdown, hey, we got that for you. We got a starting five from Bobby on the top five home games of the season that'll be out this afternoon and uh, top five dirt games from me. So if you want to go watch those, those are out there for you on our different platforms. And uh, thank you for your time. Have a great weekend and uh, go Mavs.